Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Carbide Content. I'm one of your hosts, Grant from Fellowship Blades. I am Dalen from MachineWise. I'm David from Contraption Collection. And I'm John from Triaxis. How's well, everybody doing? Oh, <laughs> I sold some scissors, guys. Nice. Yeah. Exciting. Congrats. And it was a whole <laughs> crazy experience. It was a hell of a weekend. Um, yeah. walk, walk us through it from, from kind of start to finish. So, so yeah, I, I posted the video uh, last Sunday or whatever, or the Sunday before. Um, and the auction was Saturday and Sunday this week. That just happened. Um, and, well, I'll, I'm going to start with two big things just to get out of the way. They sold for $9,110. Nice. And they paid, and they already have them delivered today oh wow that was fast so i think i'm basically out of the clear and can start dialing my stress back a tiny amount (laughs) yeah at this point maybe hopefully which is good um did paypal you use paypal for the yeah okay they didn't have like a heart attack about you just (laughs) randomly getting nine grand (laughs) well I, I do think we have to like provide some information or something. I don't know. Uh, it, I think it's all okay. I don't know. I don't know how much I want to get into that, but it's, it's all okay. It wasn't like, uh, I don't know, like, uh, at the end of the day, the, the payer was legit. That's, that's yeah. all that, that uh, matters. It wasn't awesome. like a, a 12 year old Roblox player tricked me. <laughs> it could have been, it wouldn't really matter though. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, and then the other thing I want to say is just like big thank you to you guys, because like genuinely you guys have been super helpful and it's nice to just talk to you guys, uh, you know, this last six months or however long we've been doing the podcast. Yeah. And, um, and then Dalen, you, you know, helped out with some moderating for a while. I tried. <laughs> and, uh, and so, you know, I just wanted to get that out of the way cause it was definitely, stressful and and you guys have have helped with that yeah i was happy to help dude yeah anytime i mean it goes both ways like this is all lethargic for all of us i think yeah right (laughs) yeah i don't know if that's what lethargic means you know you're you're absolutely (laughs) correct i think i uh there's another word it is it is peaceful and relaxing stress relieving sure okay oh i guess maybe lethargic thank you on the right track with a with a c oh sure yeah one of those (laughs) Uh, <laughs> but back yep. to I'll just go through the like timeline a little bit. Um, auction started Saturday morning. Uh, bids rolled in pretty quickly, um, and uh, so I think I think I made some decisions kind of last minute that kind of saved things a little bit. And and one of those decisions was I made a maximum bid increment of a right. hundred dollars. And I think that it would have been even harder to tell who was real and who was fake if I didn't do that because someone could have just bid $5,000 right away and I wouldn't have no idea if they're real or fake. And then from then on, it it would have been really challenging. Um, Because of that minimum bid increment, um, you know, I had this, I had the bidding channel. Well, I should also say, so I did the, the auction on Discord uh, Grant did an auction on Discord that encouraged me. I actually had seen a couple other things about 
Discord that encouraged me, and it was kind of an alternative to Instagram, which I had seen, but Instagram was cracking down on it. You know, some people were saying I should on eBay. I, of course, thought of that. It seemed kind of lame. It seemed like potentially eBay might not like anything connected to butterfly knives. It seemed like the fees might be a thing. And then the biggest issue with me with eBay was I just heard that there's there's ways to trick it or scam it and cause the auction to be a failure and you just don't have a way of of contacting who the next highest real bidder is or they'd be uh-huh. less incentivized to try to get a real bid in. Yep. Yeah. Um so I don't think I would do this again exactly the same. I I don't know if I do it at all again through Discord. Uh I think the biggest problem was more the audience size and the the spectacle of it than yeah. the actual Discord because um there's I'm going in so many different ways at once. Uh so I I uh I think what helped um was the hundred dollar maximum bid increment. And even if there were fake bids, because I'm sure that at least a few fake bids left were left in the uh the run up. You know, I tried to get rid of as many as I could and I think I did a better job than maybe some people might expect I did. Yeah. Uh, but, um, but it's less bad if they p- pump the price by a hundred dollars than if they pump it by a thousand, you right. know? Um, and I tried to ch- slow the chat to, I was at 10 seconds at a time for how m- often people could post, um, bids. And then the, the second day I actually made it like 10 minutes or something. And so okay. that, again, it also, it makes it less fun to troll and, and uh, be a fake bidder. It also means the price can't be pumped up as high falsely, right? You know, um, and so uh, because I had a fair amount of bids, I think it gave me a better standard to judge what seemed real. And uh, in the side channel where people are discussing things, they can't see who's talking to me, like behind the scenes, mm-hmm. um, and. I also can see some of those bidders talking and and see how they behave. And so um, I never expected the price would get over $9,000. I I thought maybe like $5,000, but I was expecting, you know, I start talking to myself into one or 2,000 as realistic. Um, But from talking to people, I think it could have gone for far higher. And I'm not saying I wanted it to, or or it should have, but I'm saying that I don't think the fact that there might be a few fake bids in there uh, that weren't ever found or discovered, uh, I don't think that upset anybody who was bidding and serious because I think the people who were still serious towards the end or toward, you know, past the $5,000 mark or whatever, um, like, like I said, it was, you know, $100 wasn't a huge difference at that point. Right. Um, and so at one point in the first day, the price got run up to almost $13,000. And what I'd kind of learned throughout that day was just to uh, kind of think and not react quickly. So I let the price, you know, a few people go back, forth, back, forth, back, forth. And I figured it was probably fake and I knew I'd have to delete it. But I just tried to see what would happen and see if if there was like a clear thing. And luckily 
that one that person just uh uh deleted or they just admitted that they were fake they just admitted they were fake and so i deleted all their bids and it brought it back down to like six thousand dollars or something like that and um you know other people were more tricky to tell if they were fake often i just look up their account and it's like oh they uh they have a YouTube channel linked to their Discord account, and they're like a kid playing Roblox, like I said. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know, I said that the server, you have to say you're 18 plus, but I have this weird suspicion that people lied, and that's some of those crazy. people weren't 18 plus. Never. That's <laughs> crazy. I've been, I've been getting asked that question for years. <laughs> and, uh, and we're all born on January 1st because we're lazy. Yep. Yeah, yep, uh, yep. 1954 in my, my case. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, and so, um, yeah, just, just basically I, I, it, it was a very stressful thing to deal with and, and took, it was, it went both better and worse than I thought, but it, it's, uh, it went better in the fact that it was a success and I'm so glad I thought for sure at the end, I'd probably have to go through a few fake bidders to find the real one. Um, mm-hmm. it was the winner one and it, and it went super smooth. They immediately paid and it was great. Um, yeah. and, uh, so I, uh, you know, it, it was good in the beginning. It was good at the end. It was just the middle where I'd never expected the like side channel discussion to be so active. And mm-hmm. so some of it was helpful with people telling me uh, someone might be fake or whatever and giving me information. But a lot of it kind of became unhelpful. And uh, they even started like harassing people who I knew were real bidders, right? uh, which sucks. And um, uh, it just, it just, uh, I think that added to the stress because it, it, it kind of made two things I had to moderate and look at. And I, I mean, or a third thing, cause I'm already looking at people messaging me as well. Um, and trying to talk to you guys or, or whatever. Yep. And, um, and so it, I don't know, it was, it was interesting. It was, it was, it, it was good and bad, but, uh, um, what I, the reason I was bringing up the side channel is, is I saw people who were just like the auctions over the whole thing's canceled. It's fake. Like you're going to have to go through, a hundred bids to find a real one. And it's only going to, you know, the final price is going to be like $600. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so like people had a far negative, more negative opinion than I did. And, uh, and it was kind of frustrating because like that conversation would happen. And it's like, this is all fake. This is bad. This is scuffed. You should start over. You should have done eBay, all this. And this conversation would happen. And then it would pass. The chat would scroll up, whatever. And then like, 20 minutes later, the conversation would happen again with new people. Someone right. new would come in and be like, I don't know anything about this project, but this is dumb, you know? Yeah. And it's like, it's just no one ever gives you faith that like you might've thought things through a little bit. Right. And so it, it definitely wasn't perfect, but I, I think it was, uh, uh, I wasn't as pessimistic about it, uh, as, as, uh, even, even a lot of people I knew, not just, uh, strangers on the internet um but it still was a very draining thing because i i was foolish enough to think i might have even i thought i might have even been able to do some like machining or something while the auction was going on but i did not expect both the bids and the other stuff to be like 
so constant and you know that uh-huh. it slowed down quite a bit on the second day and i tried to slow it down you know it the higher the price got the harder it became to tell what was real um and uh and so i i like took down some of the auction links like on my youtube and stuff because it's like okay i know there's some bidders that are real around four thousand five thousand six thousand seven thousand and it's like it doesn't need to go higher like i'd rather not have to deal with as much spam and deal with you know having to investigate people as much you know like all just the people who care about it they already have the link they're already watching it if they want to come in at the very end try to snipe it i mean the sniping rule didn't even come to into effect um i also changed that where i made it so that i was like okay the sniping rule only applies to people who've already bid like i'm not yeah, gonna have 20 people stretch the auction out five minutes at a time for like a week you know yeah but it didn't even matter and so i don't know these, these thoughts are really disorganized um you know uh, the last thing i'll say and and you know before you know maybe you guys if you have any questions or, or want to talk about something else uh is i think i think there's also a similar thing with people just kind of always see things in black and white and extremes and so it was like the auction's ruined or or it's all real you know a similar thing was like people are like no one could possibly afford this who would be you know spend this much on a pair of scissors versus uh while there's two thousand billionaires in the world maybe it's one of them it's like uh i think that the people who were interested in real bidding and the person who won, I, I think they're people who just like the channel and like want to support me and are the same type of people who might give money on Patreon or Kickstarter or, or something like that. And this is just like a really cool thing where you're not just supporting me, you're getting number one and it's, and it's an awesome bonus. And so it's not like they don't know other knives exist that are super high and, and cheaper or, or even just cheap scissors exist. You know, it's, it's not about that and and uh and you don't have to be like a billionaire either it's just someone who you know these are the people are talking to are people who just have decently well enough paying jobs that they can occasionally uh you know splurge on something like this yeah i don't know <laughs> I, I and i think that was well said i i mean we i think we've all kind of run into that issue a little bit with like when you price an item like how do you price it uh yeah what what is the fair market value i think for makers or, or creatives it's really easy to to underprice yourself because you're just excited that this thing exists mm-hmm. um but at the end of the day for for businesses to continue and i think at least dale and i have learned this the hard way it's like you, your price has to be accurate it has to be enough for you to exist and grow right um i mean heck with with the Medusas, I undersold myself and literally didn't make money for like three months because I just didn't price it right. And I didn't realize how much it cost to make it. Um, and so like my price increase was literally just to survive. It was not a, a, I'm trying to squeeze out more money. Things just cost a lot of money. And especially like yeah. when you put it in perspective, the Bally scissors is a three year project. Nine grand is nothing over three years. That is no, it's not. My business is not profitable from this. You know, the the cost <laughs> of machine, and I'm also buying like expensive cameras, and you know, and, and yeah, probably that side of it for a too. while. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I still got a ways to go. 
uh, I'm still not even in the position you're in, Grant, because it's like things are still weird. So I I still don't really know what the accurate price of them should be, and and I just have I have uh, a lot of guilt about charging how much they should charge, and uh, uh, the price going up as high as it did. You know, there is like some feelings like uh, this is weird or crazy. It just doesn't even feel real. Uh, but it, but doing the auction was my way of like being like, well, it's you guys decide. I like tried to make the video as honest as possible. I was like, look, half the blades, there's not the right tension. They can't cut fabric. You know, I was like, I don't know. And, and, uh, I didn't expect the price to go as high as I did, but it's like, I just want someone who pays for it to be paying for it because they really like it and, and they don't have any misunderstandings that it's, it's, it's uh it's not a product that's existed for a hundred years that you know has uh is meant to be mass produced in the millions kicked around and whatever yeah uh, so I don't know <clears throat> I'm still <laughs> I'm still like recovering energy from having to go through what this weekend was yep um, you were drained yeah. this weekend yeah that's totally understandable. <laughs> You can but barely get lunch on Saturday. Yeah, I uh, I had Dalen moderate so I could run to McDonald's. <laughs> um, um, well, I was like, say, I'm I'm really glad it ended up well. Um, yeah, you know, I I wasn't active in moderation as much because I didn't want to um, kind of step in. I think Dalen, Dalen, you covered most of it. Um, well, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, but it was chaotic from from the outside. Just watching the chat feed, I was getting <laughs> so frustrated. Uh, probably. Less so, but but right along with you, because um, it was wild. Just just every everyone critiquing literally everything that you've ever done mm-hmm. is just brutal. Like that, it doesn't need to exist. That kind of stuff doesn't need to be out there. No, nope. um, I just I I don't want to like you know be some preacher or whatever. But uh, it was it was really hard to watch everything unfold. But thank goodness. It uh it ended up well and like the the right bidder won and he everything went well and now he has the scissors like that could easily have gone uh way worse compared to the the outcome that happened so um, yeah congratulations I, and I'm sure. really happy for that <laughs> yeah thanks I mean t- the negativity honestly I don't even know if that was the worst part like I think I think honestly I think it's hard to judge you know we we kind of internalize negativity more than positivity it's hard not to and, and so I, I don't even know if it was that negative but um you know like there were people who would start having conversations about like mechanical keyboards in the chat and yeah. it's like those people are fine i'm sure they're like great nice people they weren't trolling but it's like i'm trying to check on stuff and i'm like what is going on what is this <laughs> Why am I yeah. thinking about this? Now I'm thinking about mechanical th- keyboards. I'm trying to think about five other things. Like, right. <laughs> like I need to keep checking into this, but now I keep thinking about like mechanical keyboards or whatever, or, or you know, even worse, people trying to like bring up politics or you yeah. know, whatever controversial thing. It's like w- you guys know there's like the internet's kind of big. Like, <laughs> there's other di- chat rooms. You don't have you to know? be here. Um, <laughs> and so you know, I think I think people were largely for the most part, nice and, and well-intentioned. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, it's, it's, uh, 
the the complexity came from people who were trying to be helpful but weren't always helpful or or uh you know and and even this thing about like saying it's ruined or or that kind of negativity like often unsolicited advice comes from this feeling of like well i'm helping you know yeah i'm being helpful i'm pointing out you know have you tried turning it on and off again it's like (laughs) okay i yeah thanks i i promise i've tried you know to do my best already it's not really helpful so i uh i don't know i i really hope i'm not coming off as as negative because i am super grateful i i think my experience with it was mostly positive just just you know it was just tiring but it was it was mostly positive especially at the beginning and end and uh i'm so so glad that um so glad that people care and it it is like validating on some level feeling like maybe i i sort of have made something cool and uh i'm glad it it uh that you guys were there to support me and i'm glad that it it seems to have gone to someone who they also seem to be someone who thinks machining's cool thinks making things cool they i think they showed me something they were 3d printing nice Uh, and so like i think that's all awesome and uh yeah and i and you know maybe that's i couldn't have hoped for more than that right yeah that's awesome <clears throat> you know what else is awesome what What's else that? um well i was gonna say dalen's new grinder but i also could say <laughs> john's ear has improved <laughs> <laughs> whatever we want to talk about yeah because nobody knows what that even means now <laughs> well now you have to talk about it i mean i'm curious though right. so. yep john <laughs> uh so like the beginning of last week i was working on the the finest northeast rust vehicle one mm-hmm. of many that i right. own but it's like a 2000 volkswagen golf fine piece of machinery i must say <laughs> so mm-hmm. the catalytic converter decided to just uh rot off and i was I like oh, it's getting pretty loud that's weird so after like <laughs> five miles it must. It felt like five miles. It was literally like three days. I don't drive very far. It completely came off, and I was like, "Man, this thing's straight pipe now, right on the downpipe." <laughs> so, changing the cat, uh, I got rust in my left ear, and I was like, "I've gotten stuff in my ear before," and I'm like, "Okay, whatever. Like, just continue working." Yep. Two days later, I'm like, "My ear feels weird. There's like something stuck in it or something." So. I grab <laughs> people are going to yell at me. So I grab like a pointy object. And in this case, it was a no. mechanical pencil. And no. Oh, yeah. Graphite. Nice. <laughs> no, no, no. It was it was retracted. It was just the dull. Yeah. Oh, the plastic so, bit or something. So I just like pushed it into my ear and I did not go very far. So I kind of wonder if it was already bad before I got to this point. And I yep. like pushed it and then my left ear went completely like dead silent. And I was like, oh no, <laughs> I'm definitely yeah. here now. God. So like three or four days pass. And then I was like, hmm, it's not improving. I should probably go see somebody about it. <laughs> yeah. So I go to the clinic and, and the doctor's like, oh yeah, like, it's pretty bad. Like there's a hole in your eardrum and all this stuff. And I was like, okay, I was like, okay, cool. And she's like, yeah, just take these antibiotics and like these drops and you'll be fine. I was like, okay, sweet. And you like read the paperwork and it says like, like a morbidity rate. Like, I don't know how the wording was, but it made it sound like if it wasn't treated, I would die is how the, Oh gosh. 
And then I guess I didn't know that, but that's what a ruptured eardrum is, is when you have a tear in your eardrum. I didn't okay. know that. Oh, I didn't yeah. know that either. That makes yeah, sense. So that's, that's what that is. And uh, I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> and I go to, she's like, yeah, just come in Monday for like a follow-up. It's Wednesday. I went today and I was like, okay, well, I'm not in a rush. Like, and my ear started to, like, I could start hearing. It's like at 60, 70% now, but oh, okay. mm-hmm. yeah, it's still not there. Um, so I was like, okay, well, I'll just go on Wednesday because I don't feel like going Monday. And I go on Wednesday and she's like, oh, good. Like, everything is all healed. She was like, she's like, you know, I was just telling a, a, a coworker of mine that was the worst infected ear i've ever oh seen my and i was like oh, and i just wow. stared at her when she said that and i was like <laughs> that was not brought up when i Dude, first showed up because you made it sound right. like everything was fine it was just a little tear and she's Uh-oh. like okay. she's like it looks good and the the holes healed up and there's like a scar and stuff and she's like so it should come back in like two weeks fully and i was like oh that was cool i almost died <laughs> oh my god <laughs> so yeah. so like you're you you did like drops multiple times a day and like let it sit in your ear yeah, and she gave me uh like it was nine hundred milligrams of amoxicillin. Oh, okay. Nice. Like was, pills. Yeah, and yeah, I was see, like, if you have like if you have a like not ruptured eardrum, you can do just the drops. But if it, the infection's on the other side, then the drops won't like really get to it. So you have to you have to use pills as well, which is what I've heard. Yeah, and but like I said, I was like, she's like, I'm so glad, like it's as good as it is. And I was like, what is going on? Like, I thought, you know, it's like not a big deal, whatever. So yeah, I'm like, I'm like, mm, if this is the 1930s, I'd probably be dead. Yeah. So do you know what ruptured the eardrum? Was it the rust or was it the pencil? Um, I don't know. I would imagine like the rust had combined with earwax. And then when yeah. I pushed, I probably pushed the earwax into mm-hmm. with the rust into the eardrum itself. Cause I guess it's pretty thin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, very i mean like when you you know explosions or whatever can rupture it kind of thing or getting hit in the side of the head so it's right. not thick at all yeah i was in hawaii and uh I, i've gotten lots of ear infections but i don't feel like i've ever ever like ruptured it and i was just swimming in the ocean and it ruptured so i don't even think it has to be like oh you poked it with something sharp i i don't know exactly what can cause it to rupture yeah it was kind of funny too because like when i went there the first day and she's like She's like, yeah, you need to be keeping it dry and stuff. Like when you shower, like blow dry it after. I'm like, oh, you're really going to hate what I'm about to say. I've been oh, no. shooting hot water into it in the shower. Oh, oh my <laughs> God. She's oh, like, oh, geez. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, that was my that was my week. And then finally, like. Like school finals are next week. So I'm like, oh, sweet. Oh. I got a month off to actually work. But that's been a, an absolute like almost train wreck in a way. So it's like been spending. It, I'm at school full time, like during the week. Yeah. To like mm-hmm. rush, do all the work, and then come home and then do more work. But that's <laughs> been quite the experience going back to school, I must say. I bet. Dude, I imagine I yeah. couldn't. It's, it's pretty goofy, honestly. And some of my classmates, you know, they're like at a high school. It's yeah. mm-hmm. goofy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> People arguing. I don't know. It's, there's plenty of stories, but. Oh, I um, bet. Yeah. And, huh. yeah. Okay. So ears getting better. Yep. Yep. Good. Any any uh, shop pro- progress or? So the knives are going really good, actually. I hey, okay. tried to do an acid etch knife, just like practice one, so that they're like scrap blades from before, and they came yeah. out really good. And I was using what what Dalen was talking about. What I asked you the other day. Was oh like, yeah. Okay. Whatever you do, 
Cool. And I was like, I think my biggest problem before was getting the knife clean enough and actually doing mm-hmm. like a real a real yep. water break test and like yeah. not adhering to it before because I was like, I don't really understand like the water's supposed to beat up or not. And then I finally right. looked it up. And there's a YouTube channel called Applied Science. And oh yeah, that guy. I, this guy, I don't know who he is or what he does, but he's like some sort of wizard. And if you like, watch <laughs> videos, he does so much different stuff. And he's like, yeah, so I'm just doing this, whatever. It's he's got a cool channel. And he was talking about he made this. Uh, it's I can't remember what's what it is, but it's basically how you make really really small sheet metal components. And they basically okay. use acid and a and a um what do you call it like a, a mask like a vinyl yeah mask um for the part shape so like how would you make a grate for electronics or something that was like i don't oh. know 20 pounds thick and had extremely small holes they actually just they use acid i guess to punch out the holes and stuff and in, in the small stuff and he was going over like yeah he's like i'm i've made a machine that can basically soak it in it i think he was using ferric chloride to um you put this like etchant film on it and then you put it in this tank and you basically high pressure heat wash the thing with the ferric chloride or whatever, whatever uh, etchant he was using. And he was talking about getting the metal clean enough to where the, the solvent or whatever would bind or not. I can't remember what it was, but I watched that and I was like, Oh, I'm going to do exactly what he's doing. Nice. So, and what, for what, what he did worked really good. And it was basically, He's he's using a cleaner called uh, Alkanox, and I just ordered some because I was curious. But it's basically it's a powder, it's a cleaner, like and, a detergent. Yeah, basically, and okay. it's not that expensive actually. And it says on the website you can use it in the ultrasonic. So I'm curious oh. to see how it works Ooh. as far as that goes. And it's not expensive. I mean, like a four pound box of it, and it's like its mix ratio is like one to one hundred. So I mean, oh, that's yeah. going to last quite a while. Yeah, um, seriously. Yeah, but then he was like, so I didn't have any, and he's like, and then you can use, um, what else did he say? Uh, whatever, I'm not a chemist, but it's basically <laughs> lye. You know, oh, okay. I was like, which is really bad for humans, but I was like, oh, I it have is. some. <laughs> so I use that <laughs> to clean the, the, uh, the steel, and I don't really know how that affects stainless, but man, did that acid etch really work after that, and actually making nice. sure the water okay. didn't beat up on it. That's good to know because yeah. I, yeah. I still get blades that don't uh, that don't always get an even etch on the first round. Yeah, and it's probably from not being clean enough. Yeah, and he was like, because he unlike it seems like for the acid etch, you can keep the blade wet. Like you do the the water break, and if it's good, you can basically go to the acid. For right. him, for his application, he needed the steel dry, and he was just like shop towels and cover the thing is basically the best way I've found. Cause if you try to dry it with anything else, then you get oils out of the air or oils out of your like air or whatever. Like if you're spraying, yep. pressure right, yep. um, but yeah, I don't know. I've like acid etching kind of, it doesn't scare me, but it just like, okay, here it is all the work into this knife, this blade. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. Ruin it with one streak or break. Yeah. 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 And then as far as like all the other stuff, like everything's been going really, really good, except so I'm working on a project, if you will. That's okay. a certain color that Dalen knows about. Yes. And I I bend the bend the lock bar basically for it. And uh, yes. um, <laughs> it wouldn't it has lock rock, which is 
when you hold when you close the blade and the lock bar the little ball falls in the detent hole and keeps the knife blade shut it's Mm -hmm. not contacting the hole the ball is supposed to be like resting against so you can shake the knife and it it has play it wiggles and it it rattles and i was like what are you doing like Mm -hmm. this is how i've bent the lock bar every other time like there's an entire process in place so i'm like okay uh i guess i'll unbend it the problem with titanium and then also the way the lock bar and these knives are shaped is they're not straight they have an angle on the lock bar itself so what happens is when you push the lock bar up it doesn't go it doesn't just bend straight up it bends and then it wants to go in the direction that angle is actually cut into the knife okay now that has no mechanical function except it has no mechanical function it's just looks so it's just to match the angle of the way the knife looks and that's biting me now because what's happening is you go to i have like a little fixture and so you bolt the the handle up to the fixture and you essentially push the lock bar and i'm like there's a basically a gauge i put in there and i'm like when you let go of the lock bar the actual the bar itself as long as it's at this bar this gauge level that's the correct amount of preload or the actual amount of pressure mm-hmm. and I've been doing that for all these this last batch of knives and it's like the last 20 knives and they've come out perfect and there's no weird twist or anything in the lock bar. Well, the last three knives and obviously something has changed, but, you know, not really doing a full investigation yet. Nothing's changed. They all have lock rock. And I'm like, what is going on? What stupid little thing did I change to break this entire process? And the issue is when you, like I said, when you bend them, they remember their shape so well that if you bend them back to flat and you try to rebend them in the fixture, it doesn't work because it, okay. it basically like remembers where you bent it prior, even if you yep. bend it flat and it looks good, it's not nice. So it just is like, no. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm thinking my issue is with the folder is a lot of people who make folding knives that are lock bar uh, folding knives, they use two stop pins and they have a stop pin for when the knife is locked out when the yep. blade is open. And then they have a stop pin for when the blade is closed. So they can adjust that essentially adjust for that, that, uh, what do you call it? Basically when it's, you know, closed essentially, yep. essentially. Yeah. they can adjust yeah. the, the little detail. Yeah. yeah. And they can basically, get it perfect to where there's no lock rock and there's no wiggle or anything. Yeah. I don't have two stop ins. I only have one. So what happens is if you change the stop pin diameter, then you change where it locks out too when uh-huh. it's actually open. So I'm like, I need to fix it on the actual bending side of it, I guess. Okay. But I don't really know what the best course of action is. Do I fix that or do I make a shouldered stop pin where I can like try a bunch of different stop pins? I don't, I don't, since you've been making many and it's only three that have had a problem, I feel like you should try to figure out what's changed before you change the design of the knife. Yeah, it's not, it's not any uh knife like design change, it's just for the stop pins, it's pretty easy because I yep. have sometimes I have to use a shouldered stop pin and for some reason, uh, and that's basically. The stop pin hole is 101 thou is 
what the hole is. And then if you have it shouldered, essentially the two ends are one one oh one and the middle is wider. So you do like one oh three and then you just have a bunch of them in bins and you just try them until you get the correct you tune it essentially doing that. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. What if um if you were to just take the stop pins completely out or stop pins completely out and then just kind of get a feel for it, do you feel like these knives that aren't working, there would be a place where it would lock up without uh, the slop? So what's happening is uh, when you close the knife right now, it's not even hitting the stop pin. It's, yep. it's falling into the, its, its detent hole that's in the blade, and it has wiggle before it even hits the stop pin, mm-hmm. which, which means that the lock bar is essentially... Well, what I just said is it's engaging before it has a chance to even hit the stop pin. You, what you want is it to engage the second the stop pin makes contact. So you have contact on both surfaces. So then there's right. no wiggle room in either direction. So what, is there like an actual um, like detent for the ball? You mean as in? Like the, a, the, the lock bar has a ball yep. uh, pressed into it, right? And like, is there anything it like goes into on the blade? Yeah, it's a hole. Yeah, and so that's kind of what I was speculating as you were focusing on, on the lock bar, and I was wondering like if something could have happened where the hole is just like a thou off or or maybe more than a thou off of uh, positional accuracy. So, so I I avoid that by basically machining the pivot, the stop pin. Uh, shoulders if you will and that detent hole in one op so they're mm-hmm. all together of basically trying to avoid exactly what you're talking about where i question if it's all off and then right. i also the stop pin that detent hole that's in the blade is checked with a gauge pin too so what would happen is let's say you bent the lock bar and the lock bar i mean it's an inch and a half two inches long from its solid part all the way up to the bend if it's off by like two thou all the way on the end, that's a far distance away. Yeah. From. Now the other the other bit that makes it more complicated is it's not a detent hole where it's like you have a round hole and the detent ball itself is round and that's it goes into the hole because if you had a mismatch, the only thing that would happen is it wouldn't be very strong. It would just mm-hmm. the ball would fall a little bit into the hole but it wouldn't fully engage and you'd have like a weak detent. The issue is it's not a detent hole. It's an actual, it's a, uh, uh, an actual pocket because of the way that the lock bar insert and the detent work. There's no, I don't how do you describe it? There's no, um, there's when you go to close the knife, there isn't a, p- a point that actually like locks again. It's one, when you basically disengage the knife, it's one s- solid motion to close the knife. And if you've ever handled lock bar knives, they usually have another point in their travel where they they'll they'll lock again before they're fully engaged. And the way the design on the knife works is that's eliminated by having this pocket per se, which makes uh. what I'm trying to align complicated because it's actually a ball that touches a shoulder that only touches on one point and not 360. Okay. Yeah. And that's probably extremely hard to visualize without seeing yeah, it. Yeah, that one made me a little confused, but Yeah. 
But basically, if the lock bar is not where I think it is, because, you know, it's designed off being where you think it is. Right. And you have that sort of wiggle room where it's not contacting that shoulder. Have you made good ones with the current new setup or do you think this could be a problem with the new setup? No. So this this setup is the same one I've been using for all of them. Okay. is like has me wondering about it's my other thing is it has me wondering about it's like repeatability over time because that's a worry if you want to make like yep. five of these a week <laughs> you can't have something like this just crop up it needs to be mm-hmm. bulletproof and the problem with this little system is it's really hard to measure it is i think what i want to do is make a better lock bar bending fixture and basically have the lock bar supported on both sides with no gap. And so when oh, there's no. push on it, it can only go in one direction with no bend or twist. But then that means that you need to be dead accurate all the time with the yep. actual cutout of the thing. So what if I don't know, it's kind of like a weird, silly problem. What if you I've, used the mill to bend your lock bar? So I have <laughs> I have thought about that. Um but I haven't really taken a solid look at it. Yeah, it would take a lot um, of dialing in, but then it'd be the same every time once yeah. you got it there. Yeah. My only, I guess my only concern with that is because it's typically a smooth surface, is how do you actually, how do you precisely push the same area and have it constrained, kind of? Right. And then... Another thing is you kind of, it's not a lot of pressure at all. Like it's not bad for the spindle bearings, but you'll, oh, yeah. I'm, pe- you'll hear people say that X, Y, Z is bad for the spindle bearings if they're not spinning. It's not a lot of pressure at all, but I don't know. I, like I said, I think the hardest thing would be how do you keep it kind of centered? Or, Maybe you like right? clamp, a you clamp to the lock bar, like a little piece of aluminum that's got like a, a kind of a platform on the top of it. And then you just put, Something that's like in the spindle that's kind of got like a rounded end that pushes on the platform. Mm-hmm. Just thinking here, thinking about it, like maybe if you flip the lock bar uh, over, so pulling up would actually bend it where you wanted it to. Okay. You, make a little, little yeah. hook thing. You could make an insert with a hook or something in it. Yeah. 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 Cool. Orient the spindle. Yeah. And then orientate the spindle and pull it that way. That'd be cool. I mean, that. The amount of pull force when you're using an end mill, like when roughing, you know, how much force it's trying to pull out the tool, that's way more force than it would be to bend that thing upwards anyway. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I bend it with my thumb, so it's yeah. like, you know, the mill's obviously but much more, much more capable. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah, I'm sure drilling with like it's a half-inch no drill is like a thousand times more force. Yeah, it's really, it's a pretty interesting problem to solve because of it is. that angle the cutout angle is what makes it difficult and just okay. by nature of material, it does not want to bend mm-hmm. straight it, like parallel with the lock bar because, you know, design of course is much more important than functionality. <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's my current, current uh, headache. But other than that, I mean, I was like, Oh, I'm actually making things. Hell yeah. Yeah. Cool. Little things to dial in, which we all have. Oh Yeah. Never-ending dialing in. <laughs> yep. Yep. Sweet. So, is this your only semester of school, or are you doing more after it? No, nope, I got another semester, and then like a 
internship. I'm not really sure how that's going to oh, work. Okay. Are you going oh, in yeah, for triaxis? <laughs> are you going in for an actual like like certification or degree, or are you going in just to learn a specific subject? I forget. It's for cert. It's for. It's called like the way they they change the name of it. It's like mechatronics. It's uh, it's basically electronics for robots okay. and automation. Because I'm like, I think it would be cool to actually right. use robots or something. I don't know. Yeah, I just think it's neat, but it's mostly because my I'm just like I don't understand electricity, and it'd be nice Yo. to have a loose grasp on it. But electricity is complicated. Is all very, very yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Nothing, nothing is compared. So like, they talk about some stuff, and you're like, okay, can you like compare it to something I'll understand? They're like, no. Nope. There's nothing to compare it to. This is just <laughs> how it is. Like, yep. and that's how electricity is for a lot of stuff. And you're like, okay, I'll just believe you guys. Are Are you doing like uh, electricity for electricians uh, or magnetism and electricity on a physics level? This is closer to if you had to build a robot, what would you need to know? Is kind okay. of the level. So it's kind Good. of like. <laughs> it's a mix of yeah it's more practical and i could yeah. honestly besides it's nice to know really the base stuff like the really base stuff it's not what i care about like i want yeah. the practical like i want to do this thing how do i do it kind of thing yeah yeah we we had to do electricity and magnetism physics uh, mm. as like the entry to general engineering for AM. and dude i've never been more lost in a class <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've done stuff like, you know, what is flux and like actually going over all that stuff. And I'm like, OK, cool. Like, I'll just agree with you, but I don't <laughs> really care. <Yeah. laughs> like, cool. Like, what? you know, it's not practical to me yet, but yeah, I don't know. That's basically the drag finisher. Like one of my instructors is like, hey, here's these here's these old robot parts off this like, you know, <laughs> whatever multi thousand dollar robot. Here you go. Like, I heard you were working on something. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. That's super cool. Yeah. So it's it's been neat and then frustrating all at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. Speak, speaking of neat and frustrating. Oh yeah. Dalen. Yes. How's your new old grinder? It is new and old and fantastic. <laughs> um. So I had obviously I, I went in you know smoke let the smoke out yada yada it's all working really great right now. Nice. Uh, I'm still going to order one of the three phase motors. Um, but I think the one I have is going to last a while still because it's going strong. Good. Um, so when I got it running, the first thing I did was I, I dressed in the chuck and it was like 60 thou to, to dress this chuck in. Ooh. So like the left edge was 60 thou higher than the right edge. It was insane. That's so wild. Uh, and so I don't know if this was a chuck that like someone slapped on it before they got rid of it or something. Like, I don't know. Because, I mean, I can't imagine this chuck was on there running parts unless they actually ground it at that angle on purpose. Yeah. I guess that's possible to make it's, angled parts. It's possible, I, maybe. Well, um, you wouldn't grind the chuck. You'd grind a fixture no, or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, it, it just didn't make sense. So it's really weird. But uh, I had a rough level, and this chuck is huge. Like, Jacob and I would struggle heavily to get it off by ourselves without, like, some kind of cherry picker or engine hoist or something. Yeah. Oh, uh, so uh, I, I I did really want to take the chuck off, grind in the table, make sure there's no rust under there, and then grind the bottom of the chuck. To, like you know, do it all right. Yeah. <laughs> it's just too heavy. <laughs> so I I forwent that step, That's hoping fair. for the best. Um. So you know, 
I had to level the machine off the chuck because I didn't have any other surface to level off of. So I did the rough leveling before I realized how out the chuck was great. And then I started grinding the chuck and I went, Oh no, (laughs) this is going to, this is super out of level. I know it. Yeah. We we grounded in and we, we ran some test parts and we were getting about one and a half to like two and a half tenth uh, variation from one corner of the chuck to the other, which is decent, but not good enough. Yeah. Um, so out of, you know, sheer curiosity, I, I, I checked level again and it was <laughs> severely out. Shocking. <laughs> um, so I, I re-leveled it and then I kissed the chuck again, took off like eight tenths. And yeah. uh, now we're getting. I think less than a tenth across on parts across the entire chuck, and it's fantastic. That's uh, crazy. Yep. And the wheel is so big that I haven't actually had to dress the wheel yet since Are the initial s- dressing. Wow. Um, and we finally did a, a full, a full chuck run of Prisma blades, which is 60. Yeah. And we ground 60 Prisma blades in like four and a half hours casually. Oh, dude. (laughs) Yeah. That's so cool. It's phenomenal so far. And, Um, And that's all on one dress. All on one dress. We, we've actually ground more things since then. We, we we tore through a week's worth of Opus blade blanks, which is like ten thousand side we have to take off, which would normally yeah. fill up a um our old you know the Okamoto chuck. Fifteen of our blanks would like almost fill it up. Yeah, uh, we were spacing these out like comically large because we couldn't use the whole chuck space. <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah, this wheel's taken off. Gosh, lots of material and it's still going perfect still, which is awesome. That's really cool. Yep, my only complaint right now is. The way the feet work on the machine is there there are slots in the casting that the that the feet go into mm-hmm. and then they have these really large washers. So the nuts, you know, they can actually the lock nut can lock it up and all that. Well, the riggers put the feet too far in and there's a radius in there. So the washers are sitting at an angle below uh, the nut. Yeah. Um, And so I can't tighten them enough to keep them permanent. So I'm going to have to recheck the level again and figure out how to move the feet out a little bit. I'm going to have to get like a giant lever bar and uh, lift the machine up just a little bit so I can pull the feet out and then get it level again. <laughs> yeah. What What's the gap under the machine? Uh, from like like the bottom of the casting to the floor. Yeah. I'd say right now it's it's easily probably inch and a half, two inches. Oh, OK. Yeah. Tons of room. So I can, you know, I can shove, you know, just just get a long, long breaker bar or something and and put a block of wood near it and just jet, you know, level it up just a little bit so I can right. pull the feet out. But yeah. that's the last thing I have to do is make sure that it's level and then that the feet are actually properly tight. Would a toe jack work for that? Oh, actually that very well yeah. could as well. Yeah. Yep. Toe jacks. I mean, they're not, I should get one of those regardless. Yeah, I would totally, yep. they're super helpful. Yeah. yeah. I should I'll look into that. That's exactly what I was about to say. Or that, yep. or you could actually probably wedge it up. And then slide and then wedge it back yeah. down. I mean, I figure just a just a long breaker bar, which I might be able to use like hell. I have a pipe wrench somewhere that might be long enough just to get some leverage because I don't need to lift yeah. the machine. I just need to get some weight off the feet so I can pull it out real quick. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 But uh, yeah, so I just need to make sure that the level is fully solid. And then that, I, I think it's going to be an awesome, awesome. I mean, it already is an awesome machine. So that's super cool. Very yeah. Cool. And then short of that, uh, I officially have an intern who is swinging in tomorrow and Friday. Nice. So that's exciting. Yeah. He's going to be All, taking over assembly. Completely. He's doing really well so far. 
So far, yeah, he, he came in uh, last Friday for kind of a... I don't know if I talked about it on the last podcast, so I don't want to uh, say I it again you if I did already. I don't think I could have, right? Because he came in on Friday, so... Yeah, yeah, I think we talked about it outside the podcast. That's what it was, yep. Yeah, so he came He came in on Friday. Um, I'm not doing interviews anymore because I clearly suck at them. <laughs> so instead, I'm, we're, I've decided... I told him, you know what? Come in for a paid trial run, and we'll see how it goes. Yeah. And so I had him for like three hours on Friday. He came in. He got like 10 Prismas assembled with like very minimal um, training or teaching or oversight. Mm-hmm. And um, they were all pretty dang good. Okay. All right. Yeah. So a lot of promise there. Um, yeah. Other than that, everything's going pretty smooth. The shop is finally back into absolute full swing of things. Nice. I got 30 opuses assembled in two days. Oof. Very good. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, things are going good, I think. Yep, I have slight, slight grinder envy. Just only slight. <laughs> Can I send you my spindle, please? Yeah. <laughs> I'd love for you to send me that spindle. Just Great, send me, me your address. <laughs> Perfect. Text me your address. You never responded to me on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah, oh, you're talking about the Tormox spindle. Yeah, I literally yeah. have one. It's my feet are touching it right now. <laughs> you know, that's that's awesome because I was like, where am I going to find bearings for this thing? Easy. Yeah. I have one right here. <laughs> literally right here. That, so that, that video you posted from uh, Adam uh, Demuth, I think. Yeah, yeah. Adam Demuth, I think. Yeah, he uh, that the wet paper towel thing for like if the parts are not flat yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. man that works so good i was like because i had to it? change i had to change steel oh yeah and Wait, like i was like usually you like it gets warped and then you don't have enough material to surface grind uh-huh that worked really really good in fact oh sweet it, it surface ground in the entire surface and i was like man i probably took i probably have like two thou left to surface grind the other side no nice. i was like i had like five thou left and i was like oh wow i was like that Physically doesn't make any sense to me, but I'm not going to question it. Yeah, right. Yeah, so, yeah, that was a gem of video. Are you talking about like grinding a, a flat out of a warped piece of metal? Yeah. So what he does in the video is like if you take a wet piece, you've heard of like shimming the metal, right? Yep. Like, a, yeah. like a smiley face in it. So you basically put, I can never remember which way convex and concave is, but I think it's concave, which is like the two ends touch and the middle has a bow. That'd be convex. Convex. So concave, cave is a hole. Cave goes inwards. You go into a cave. Well, I mean, the part is technically both, but you're saying it's creating a bridge on the chuck. Yeah. Right. Yes. Okay, hopefully people listening now have enough of an idea. (laughs) (laughs) The bridge and the two ends touching to know what I So you, so, and you'll like, you'll shim the ends and then, at least from what I was researching, is like a good way to, and then you'll grind it. So you'll have this high spot in the middle, whatever. Well, he was like, if you take a, if you wet a pe- piece of paper towel or whatever, and then you put your parts on it, that'll basically soak up all the the gap like that, and that worked way more consistently than trying to shim the entire thing. And the problem with shimming is like, now you have to get these individual shims or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I was, like, I just did a group of them that were warped pretty decently, like kind of bad, and mm-hmm. then they came out flat. I was like, that's sweet. Nice. Okay. So that's very cool. Are you using like a coolant on your grinder, John? No. Yes. Yeah. I tried to do that a little bit too. The like towel thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
you know, probably like a year ago at this point. Um, and, and I think I still had a lot of trouble. I don't yeah. The, I found the issues and this is, this is the Tormox fault, not mine. It's not fast enough. Yep. So the paper yeah. towel was dry. <laughs> oh. So I was, I'm sitting there with like a, a spray bottle and I'm like, stop it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh. No, I've, so I've tried a, like a doing a water mist too with coolant and stuff. And I was like, okay. I'm literally getting cancer right now. This is not. I tried that briefly as well. I used my fog buster and yeah. uh, I, I kind of felt the same way. My yeah, shot turned like, into just a, a foggy mess. Yeah, walk back into the, you know, the very large volume shop and it's foggy. I was like, uh-huh. no, thanks. Yeah. No, thanks. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's, uh, I don't like that. Even just the grinding dust itself. If I'm going to surface grind all day, I'm going to wear a mask probably. Yeah. 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 yeah since grinding, that's a, that's a dark art for sure. Yep. Oh, yeah. yeah. Since getting the Okamoto that came with the coolant system and now my, the brown and sharp that also came with the coolant system. Um, wet grinding is really nice. Oh no, yeah, it's, I, that's it's a day for sure. It's it's much better. Yep. Yeah. My my brown sharp had a coolant system, but the uh, it would leak everywhere, and then the coolant would get onto the belts in the back, and then it would oh great like stretch out the leather, and they would just pop off. And so <laughs> oh, every time I used coolant, everything just went wrong. Oh my god! <laughs> so I had to I had to start doing dry after that. Oh, I can't wait for you to get that Okamoto. Dude, I'm so excited. It should it should be here tomorrow, which is Oh, what? Yeah, I got a call and they're like, "Hey." And I didn't realize who was calling cuz it it like didn't air and it said that like my dad's shop was calling me and I was like, "That's weird." Yeah. I picked it up and and I thought it was like my dad or someone up front and yeah. and then he was like, "Hey, this is Sergey and uh we have a delivery for you." And I was like, "Uh, what?" You and do? he was like, "Yeah, Dang. the Okum- We said he said we have a we have a bender. A bender? I assume he just he said like I assume you saw a large machine and whatever. Yep. But, uh, yeah, so it left today. It should be here tomorrow. Impressive. I mean, yeah, they 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 loaded it up this morning. They called me. Yeah, that's awesome. Yep. That's super cool. Way cool. Is it is it going to hit your floor tomorrow or is it going to hit your riggers floor tomorrow? He said delivery tomorrow. And so like we don't have riggers. Um, well, we have riggers, but we don't need riggers for this because we have a forklift on site. So, OK, um, it should hit the floor tomorrow. <laughs> We'll, nice. we'll see. Or awesome. I'm getting a bender. <laughs> you should give it to Either John. I think he cool. needs a bender. Yeah. No. no. <laughs> yeah. The fabrication and stuff away from me. No, for your <laughs> lock bars. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Sweet. Yep. So, yeah. What's been up with you this week, Grant? Oh, God. Okay. So, last week, uh, we talked about me loading a broken machine onto a yes. trailer. Yeah. Um, we ended up taking it to the scrapyard. I got a whopping three hundred dollars. Um, okay, more yep. than I've seen. Did that, did that at least cover the rental cost of the uh, of the nope. loader? <laughs> <laughs> yes, re- renting the loader was uh, five hundred bucks for a half day, and then okay, yeah, um, I was curious how much that cost. Yeah, and then the uh, I got three, you know, three hundred and fifty bucks for the scrap weight, which really. The fact that I didn't have to pay someone to get rid of the machine I mean, was it, really that's nice. honestly pretty great. <laughs> Yeah, um, and it was literally like they are a quarter mile down the road. It was a very easy thing. So uh, next awesome. time I have a broken machine, I know where to go. Yeah, hopefully that's not a thing anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm buying new. The next spindle is going to be brand spanking shiny new. Except for this grinder that's already broken. Well, hey, he, hasn't, d- he hasn't bought it yet, though. I haven't bought it yet. So there's <laughs> that's true. All right, he's going to be like, okay, John, here. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, I get. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, hopefully not though. Yeah, no. Ho- hopefully we can get it working, and and that'll be good. That's the, the dream. I'd love I, to see that thing working. Yeah, and and with the deal we're we're doing right now, Dale, and it, I think it's like I can put ten grand into it and fix it. Worst case, I for oh, yeah, sure. Absolutely. Hopefully, it's like a grand or something. Right. Yeah. Um, but on on other notes, we uh, on surface grinding, I decided to buy a different wheel dresser. Um, I have like one of those single point diamond dressers just on a piece of piece of steel, whatever. Yeah. And I was on MSC looking at grinding wheels because we needed another one. And one, I swapped back to ceramic. I was doing ceramic a long time ago, and then I went to aluminum oxide because I was like, the price is just ridiculous. Okay. But I was like, you know, I'm going to go ceramic wheel, try it out again, see, see if it works better. And then while I was sitting there, I was looking at wheel dressers because they were like in the same category and they had this like flat. It's like it's like instead of one diamond, there's like a hundred or, or yeah. you know, 300 diamonds. And it's like a, it's a it's technically a peak. It's like a like a speed bump shape, but it's relatively flat compared to a single bump or a single okay. point. And it was like 200 something bucks. And I was like, you know what? Screw it. If this if this thing makes the difference, it's going to be worth the money. I just don't know what it is. Um, mm. So I bought it and we tried it out. And oh, my God, it made is a it, huge difference. Is it amazing? It's amazing. So um, turns out addressing your wheel is super important. We it knew is. we knew that, like, obviously dressing your wheel is important, but also how you dress your wheel and what you're dressing your wheel with it with yep. is part of the whole magic voodoo. Um, and I'm sure, I'm sure the single point we were using, it was super dull and was probably not dressing. Well, yeah, it's probably pretty rounded over and glazing the wheel a bit. Right. So, so I also got a replacement single point. And what we found was, uh, Zeke is dressing the wheel with the, the new single point and it's making a really rough dress, which is grinding really well, but grinding rough. And it, yep. and it's clearly, uh, like a larger scratch pattern, yeah. more aggressive cut. You have to like and feed then, it really slow. Right. And then he put on the uh, the new flat wheel dresser, whatever, and it dresses it super fine. And so it was sparking out really, really fine. Like the sparks and everything. I Like physically, I was feeling the sparks and they were so much smaller than the old sparks. And it's, it's the same exact grit wheel, same exact manufacturer. Only difference is ceramic, but right now it's ceramic versus ceramic because we're just messing with yeah. the dressers. Yep. Um and the finish was immaculate. It was oh. like really really good. And so um so now we're we're roughing with a single point and then finishing with a fresh dress on that flat dresser okay. and it's working super super well. Will you send me a link um, to that please? I definitely will cuz it, it I mean if you don't have automatic dresser and you're just doing that table dresser thing um, which is what I'm doing right now cuz my overhead isn't working at the moment. Yeah, so I would definitely swap to this thing uh, if, assuming you have an issue, because it it completely made our finish way 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 okay. better. Than I'm happy be. with our finish, but I I like better. Yeah, I, yeah. Better's I'll, I'll send good. you guys a link. Better uh, is better. And it's all it's nice to have an option. Like if if you know if you want to go finer for a finish pass or whatever, instead of yeah, changing totally. out the wheel or the grit, you can dress it differently. Yes, yeah, what grit are you using? Uh, 46 or 40, 48, one of the 40. Yeah, it's so okay. service grinding is so weird because like, it is. F- like 40 grit sandpaper is ridiculous. 
Yeah. You know, it's not, but then you, you know, surface grind something and it's beautiful. Yep. Even with this wheel and like, even with a fairly rough dress, it's like, you know, it's nicer than the sandpaper would do. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, you can dress it finer. And like, the yeah. only issue is like, like, you know, you said you're roughing because uh, you might have more heat issues if it's like a super fine dress and you're taking a huge cut or something. But, Right. And well, and that's the big the big reason why I use a single point to dress and why we dress it the way we do, at least the way Zeke and I dress it is uh, for heat evacuation. So if you dress in a solid groove into your your wheel, it allows chips to evacuate and heat to flow and, and it works better that way. If you don't have any sort of like if you have a perfectly smooth, like honed wheel, it'll actually cut worse because it's it'll chip pack and there's nowhere for chips to go and stuff like that. Yeah. Just like a flute on an end mill, uh, you know? Um, yeah. So super, super important anyway. Um, so that, that was cool. I'll send you guys a link. And um, if anyone on the podcast wants the info, I'll just shoot me a DM or something. Wait. Um, other than that, I bought new tumbling media. Uh, Cause oh. Oh boy. You know, every, every couple of months <laughs> I buy 50 pounds and try it out. <laughs> um, yeah. So I got the same course, stuff that I was using because it worked really well, but I bought smaller stuff. So I, I think it was the ones I were using is like 20 by 20, I assume millimeters trapezoids yep. um, or, or pyramidal square cuboids. I don't know. Um, <laughs> shape, yeah. Yeah. And then I got, I think these are 15 by 15. So slightly smaller. Um, so shockingly different surface finish. Um, what what st- parts? Both uh, handles and blades. Oh, okay. the 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 actual roughness like it rounds over edges similarly but the actual like grain scratch pattern is much finer okay um and it's definitely able to get into the milling on the bevels a lot better probably because oh, nice. it's newer too um, you have sharper corners still right so but either way that's a that's a pretty cool thing um and i accidentally lied i thought i bought burnishing media um but i guess somehow i flip-flopped but then i forgot about it i ended up getting just like a super light cutting media because hoping that i okay. could get a polish side yep. so i could have a course and polish okay the uh light cutting media does absolutely nothing uh, <laughs> so <laughs> yeah there's that I, now i'm regretting not getting the burnishing media because i was super excited for it oh yeah but uh yeah so new media that's interesting and i've been on the new spindle buying bug and Jalen and I have been talking about this for a little bit. Basically, yeah, yeah, long story short, I want a very small footprint vertical milling center that's awesome. And that's kind of hard to find outside of like a brother or an Henshu or a Henshu or like even the Mighty Viper that Dalen has like that, which is kind of rare, I guess. It's not even the price. It's just hard to find. Um, Uh, Yeah. Man, so, a small Speedio, like when I went to IMTS, their smallest one, that thing, that thing is tiny. You should look at right. one of them. So I, I was. Uh, so the options basically for me were a Speedio with a, you know, very expensive machine payment, very expensive, a, a good machine payment, very expensive yep. machine. Oh, yeah. Uh, or Dalen brought up the Henshu, which is a similar Speedio style machine. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, or... <laughs> relatively new to my brain, but I guess they've been around for a few years at least, is a company called Sile, which is Chinese. They used to be 
hobby level, but now they're more industrial level. They're cer- they're certainly industrial level machines, but it's kind of yep. an interesting path they took. Yep. And um, and I the first time I heard of it was on the Edge and Flow podcast with uh, TJ Schwartz and Lucas Burnley, and and I got super caught up in it because there, there's a lot of marketing schemes in this whole industry, which is like. Right. Oh, we cut better, more accurate than the other guy. But then the, everybody's saying that. And so I'm just trying to get past all that. And so today I, I called up uh, TJ Schwartz and we talked on the phone for like an hour because he has a style. And mm-hmm. I was like, hey, is it worth the hype? Is any issues with it? Like, what's the deal? And from his perspective, it seems worth it. And it, okay. he's making good, clean, accurate parts. And nice. it, Does- it lives up area. How old is his? Does his have the uh, the epoxy granite casting? Yes, he, he okay. bought his new in like well, he, it hit his floor in like July, so oh, okay, within cool. the last year. Yep. Um, yeah, the epoxy granite is awesome. Like the okay. on paper, that stuff is awesome, and I, as long as it is actually epoxy granite and not some you know I'm sure whatever. Not lying about it. Right, and th- and that's the thing is they're not lying about anything. The the worst thing about it is. The servos are uh, not questionable in quality, but just no one knows what brand they are. There's they some seem things. to be no name. Every image I see, it looks like a no name servo, which isn't necessarily right. bad. It's not necessarily bad, but it is questionable. But you know yep. what's something that's crazy? What? On the on the X7, you can get Siemens control with Siemens servos. Oh, it comes with Siemens servos? Siemens servos. So that and they're expensive. It's like a $10,000 option. Yeah, um, but basically, that's that was my last hesitation. With a Siemens control, it completely makes it better. Yeah. So, um, where's the downside to these machines? I, there's not one. I, I I can't find them. I've been trying to for several days now, and I can't find a downside. Yeah. So the the biggest what could thing possibly that I go wrong. Yeah. The biggest thing that I've seen is the X5s are they're I wouldn't say they're underpowered, but they're low power. So it's like seven and a half horsepower spindle. Uh. Oh, okay. I was looking at the kilowatt, but it's prob it's it's a three point eight kilowatt, um, whatever that means. The the yep. X seven is like a five point five, and the Siemens control is like a seven point five kilowatt. Okay. Um, and so like the the Haas is something like a twenty kilowatt or thirty kilowatt. Like yeah, I mean my my, my VF two much bigger, beefier. So it's hard for me to really put it in perspective. It, um, what's the spindle? Is it like BT thirty? It, yeah. It's a BT30 spindle, yeah. Yep. Um, and there's a, I think on at least the X7, but possibly on both, there's a 30K option. And on yep. the X7, there, well, sorry, on the X7, there's a 30K HSK option. Uh-huh. Which I was really tempted by. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> and, but on the, you know, X5, it's a 12K, I think it maybe options up to 15K BT30. Uh, 20. Uh, or 20, sorry, there you yep, go. Yeah, there's a 20K um, option. Yeah, so frankly, uh, I'm not seeing a lot of downsides. So by the end of the year, I'll probably be getting one. <laughs> Do it. Um, you yeah, should. So I and I need it. I need another spindle. Zeke and I have been talking about this for months. Uh, the reason we bought the VF1 is we need another spindle. Yep. And now that that's gone, I can finally yep. refresh and rethink about this. So. Yep. And you still need um, another spindle. So nothing changed there. <laughs> and we still need another spindle. Yep. Yep. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm looking at the style and I'm really excited about it. TJ really helped me. Um, kind of just cool all of my uh, reservations about it because he's been okay. running it for the past, you know, several months. And yep. like I said, it's been doing him great and he's making good parts. 
Okay. And at the very least, it may not be a great hard milling machine, but that is perfectly fine. I have one of those. So yeah, exactly. maybe, maybe it runs titanium exclusively, but at the, that's, that opens up the Haas all day, every day. So yep. why not relegate it to aluminum? For well, you know, I, 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 at, I now I could, you know, like having a second spindle, I can finally refocus on my side projects that I've been putting off and putting off. Yeah. Um, which is one of the whole reasons why we need a second spindle. So yes, it, yeah. may, it may be aluminum. Maybe I'll buy three. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, dude, seriously. Seven point um, five kilowatts is supposedly ten horsepower. Just so okay. okay. So yeah, so uh, the X five is probably five horsepower. The X seven yeah, with right the Siemens right. control is ten horsepower. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um. Yeah. So that's that's been my uh, you know, thought process for the past couple of days, and yeah. I'm quite excited about it. So. I still have a Sile tab open with like four different machines fucking. <laughs> oh yeah. I've yeah. I've had Sile like bookmarked in every pay every website I've been to, I have Sile right next to it, like going back and forth all day. Yep. Um yeah, now I gotta figure out financing and that's gonna that's been fun. Cause I I I have screwed up my books on QuickBooks, so I had to refix that, refix all my tax information and yep. so hopefully I can get that squared away. But so I as think if you should, temp- I think you should buy one because I'm curious about them. <laughs> uh, fair enough. Uh, now that you say that, I will. Grant yep. will be the guinea pig. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny because um, I'm good at that. Uh, as if to tempt me more, I got an email today from uh, Shopify saying like, "Hey, we want to give you thirty thousand dollars based off your sales in oh, funding." No. I'm like, "Hmm, that's a sale right there." Yeah. Well, okay. So uh, Stripe did that to me. Yeah. And... I'm sure they won't give it to me, but. No, they they very well might. Stripe did it to me without even checking my credit score, or maybe they did. Interesting. But it it literally, I just clicked a button and a bunch of money ended up in a bank account. Oh yeah, you uh, did do that. Yeah, I will say it was a high interest, you know, short term loan, so it's not the smartest thing. Oh no, yeah. Um, especially like doing normal financing is going to be much better for you on the books. Yep. Uh, but I yeah, mean, I've been, it, I was thinking about just buying a buying an X five just flat out. So, I mean, if I get any financing for it, that could possibly be better. But I don't really fully need one right now. Yeah. I could use one, well, but I don't need it. It's just crazy to me that, like, built out X5 is 35K. Like, yeah, and that's, like, as built out as possible almost without, that's a, that, well, without a fourth, I think. Maybe with a fourth, uh, actually. The fourth is, like, five grand. So maybe maybe it's 35. No, I can't remember. Maybe I it's, think 35 like, 40. is hitting the high end, though. Yeah, I think it's 40 with the fourth. Um mm-hmm. My opinion is if you're going to go anything over three axes, spend the money because okay, absolutely like I know I've used <laughs> I've used Haas fourth and fifth axes and I hate them. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, I was so also I, using a Haas fifth axis next to a uh, a Makino fifth axis. So, yeah, that's that's a little world. Yeah, world different. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm I'm definitely sticking to three axes just because. Uh, frankly, John, you have convinced me not to do a fourth axis, but yeah, yeah it's like a whole extra level of stupid in a way. Yeah. I would go, I would go fourth with a with a pallet changer. Yeah. Well, so now we're talking essentially. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but well, I think it's been well over an hour. Should we wrap it up? Oh, we probably yeah. should. Yeah. Uh, thanks for listening. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> See you next time. <laughs> Later. Bye. Bye. Bye.